Welcome to Manitoba Moments, Discussions in Physiotherapy. The College of Physiotherapists in Manitoba regulates the practice of physiotherapy in Manitoba. Our mission is to ensure that the public receives safe, competent physiotherapy care from qualified physiotherapists. This podcast will address topics pertinent to physiotherapists practicing in Manitoba, based on our legislation and standards of practice. Hi there, my name is Gabby Massey, and I'm a second-year physiotherapy student at the University of Manitoba. Hello, my name is JL Unger, and I'm also a second-year physiotherapy student at the University of Manitoba. In another episode, we talked about professional boundaries, and now we're going to talk about some specific examples when boundaries are crossed. Before we get into real examples that have occurred, I want to go through some scenarios that we have talked about with each other that we know have occurred during our clinical placements. Yes, sounds good to me. The first scenario is, what would you do if you provide treatment to an acquaintance? For example, let's say your hairstylist or your mechanic or your family doctor or even your massage therapist. First, I think establishing professional obligations and challenges when treating someone you know are some of the first steps to consider when coming into a situation like that. I agree. And I think some professional obligations we can agree on is gaining continuous informed consent no matter what the situation is. It is very important and ensuring we are providing client-centered care to everyone. I agree. And what is interesting about what you said is the client-centered care. Because let's say your hairstylist gives you a discount for your haircut and they pressure you to discount treatment. I personally don't think that is right. But a challenge could be is that this individual now is not going to want to come see me for treatment because I don't give them a discount. And I wonder if our therapeutic relationship is in jeopardy now. As a professional, you are the one who must determine the boundaries. I was looking up some evidence about conflict of interest and what it can mean for boundary crossing. Okay, let's hear it. The risk of treating family, friends, or coworkers may include the physical therapist's ability to be objective may be compromised. The physical therapist may make assumptions instead of asking thorough questions. The patient may not want to answer questions honestly, and I think what is most prominent in the situation would be that the personal relationship may suffer if the professional relationship is now not successful. Absolutely. I think it is fair to say it is best to avoid treating friends and relatives, especially considering the closer the family member, the more information you know, and that boundary is not even there to begin with. And how can you start a therapeutic relationship when you already have a deeper relationship? That's a great point, and I agree. I do have a question, though. What would you do if a boundary was crossed? What should a physiotherapist do to resolve a boundary violation with someone they have a personal relationship with? Oh, good question. I think initially it is best to acknowledge that a boundary has been crossed and acknowledge the miscommunication. What else do you think? I agree. Acknowledgement is always good to start with. I also looked at the core standards of practice for physiotherapists in Canada, and in the conflict of interest section, it says the physiotherapist must identify and avoid or manage any real potential or perceived conflicts of interest. And further, in situations where conflict of interest cannot be avoided, manage and provide full disclosure of the conflict of interest to clients and others as appropriate, and document in a complete, open, and timely manner 
how the conflict was managed. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And now that you mentioned documentation, I think that is huge. I feel like we have been told time and time again during both school and on placement that documentation is so important both for the patient and us as health providers. It is interesting that there is a need to document a conflict of interest and boundary crossing. Documentation is so important. Now I'd like to discuss an example that was reported to discipline committees of another physiotherapy regulatory college. This is an example of treatment of family members. In this case, the physiotherapist was registered in another province and was a co-owner of a clinic with their sister. The physiotherapist provided care to her spouse and other close family members. The physiotherapist did charge a fee for the physiotherapy treatment provided to the spouse and close family members, and invoices were also submitted to third-party insurers for payment. The clinic also submitted invoices for physiotherapy treatment provided to the spouse and close family members by a physiotherapy assistant under supervision. It is noted that the physiotherapist's sister was one of the persons who provided care to the physiotherapist's spouse. Okay, this is interesting so far. Go on. Right? So the college obtained clinical records for 10 patients under this physiotherapist's care. The records indicated that the physiotherapist failed to meet the standards of practice with supervision of physiotherapy assistance and record keeping. Oh, wow. That's a lot of categories of unmet standards. Is there more detail about each one? Yes, there is. So five out of the 10 charts did not include initial assessments, objective information, findings, or diagnosis to justify treatment. Six out of the 10 did not include physiotherapy treatment plan. And in all 10 charts, there were no objective measures of progress to justify ongoing treatment and no record of patients being reassessed. All 10 charts also lacked documentation of consent by patient to specific treatment proposed, nor the involvement of physiotherapy assistance in patient care. Well, that really goes to show how important documentation is. But wait, there's more. It is also noted the physiotherapist failed to maintain standard of practice with respect to the physiotherapist's direct billed invoices to third-party insurer for services provided to her spouse and close family members. It is interesting because at first, I did not understand how this was considered a professional boundary crossing, but then as you continued with the details, it became clear. I find this interesting as it seems documentation would be second nature. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. The fact that the initial assessment, treatments, objective measures weren't even documented in majority of the charts is so odd to me. Absolutely. Although we are forming these good documentation habits now, maybe in this case the physiotherapist didn't start off with good documentation habits or maybe along the way became more careless. I think overall, the case goes to show just how important documentation is now, and that's what matters. I was also surprised there was no documentation about consent. I think that is a big flag we can talk about. If the physiotherapist said there was verbal consent since there was no documentation, there's no evidence. We know the standard states that the physiotherapist obtains clients' ongoing informed consent for the delivery of physiotherapy services, and clients can expect that they will be informed of their options, the risk, and the benefits of proposed services, and asked to provide their consent, and that the physiotherapist will respect their right to question, refuse, and or withdraw the services at any time. We have been educated so much in university about how consent is important to clearly obtain and document. Yes, obtaining and documenting informed consent is another habit that should be built into our practice. Well, it was interesting to go through case scenarios of when professional boundaries can be crossed and the potential effects of each situation. Yes, absolutely. 
I think the most important takeaways are documentation and consent. Yes, definitely. Developing good habits of obtaining informed consent and using clear documentation can help prevent misunderstandings. Being a student and soon to be an exam candidate, this has been very informative and interesting to go through. Thank you for talking with me about this, JL. I agree. Going into your future careers, this is all good information to have. And of course, thank you for the great conversation. Thank you for listening today. The information presented in this podcast is not intended as legal advice. For more information, please go to the College of Physiotherapists at Manitoba website or email us at info at manitobaphysio.com. <laughs>